On this episode of Off Course Agility, my guest is Heidi Canesco from New Hampshire. Today on Off Course Agility, my guest is Heidi Canesco, and I welcome you. Thank you. And I was about to say you're from New Hampshire, but I'm not 100%. You are from New Hampshire, correct? I live in New Hampshire now, but I actually was brought up in Connecticut. Okay. All right. So you originally are from Connecticut. But you've been in New Hampshire a long time now, right? Yeah, I came here in my early 20s, and I haven't left. Okay. I actually used to go to summer camp in New Hampshire when I was a kid, even though I didn't really know where the camp was. Um, when I became an adult, I traveled up to New Hampshire to go to an Irish Wolfhound specialty show, and I found out that the camp was right nearby, and I went over to visit it, and um, it just brought back such great memories that as soon as I had a chance to, I started interviewing for jobs in New Hampshire, and I was able to move here. Oh, wow. Very cool. <laughs> All right, so now we know how you got to New Hampshire. Uh, as I always do, I'll start by asking you, how did you find and how did you discover agility? Well, I have listened to some of your other interviews with people, so I knew you were going to ask me that question. And I pulled out my very first agility class training registration form, which I have a copy of. It's from April 3rd, 1997. And wow. it was my dog, Sophie, who was a big mixed breed. She was 23 inches tall, 55 pounds. And she was just under two years old. And the reason that I was signing her up for an agility class was because she had a lot of energy and we had already taken and passed all of the obedience classes at our local training center. And the only thing left to try was agility. <laughs> okay. So I think I had a dog that had a lot of energy and I was looking for things to do with her. But I know that when I picked up when I picked out Sophie from the shelter, I had in the back of my mind that I wanted to try dog agility. I had seen a demonstration of it, and I was another one of those ex-horse people who missed, uh, you know, working with horses and riding, and the sight of dogs jumping on course, and just that really appealed to me. So um, when I was looking for a dog, I was um, trying to picture a how athletic all the dogs were in the shelter. And I picked Sophie based on that and based on her really cute face. She had a, um, a full beard. She looked like a Scotty, but with long legs and um, like a full-size body. <laughs> and okay. uh, I didn't know anything about picking a dog that would be easy to train, though, or easy to motivate. And we had a lot of challenges with her um, for a bunch of reasons. I had never learned to be a positive trainer at that point. Um, she was a really wild teenage mom dog. <laughs> and um, so I um, went through a lot of my crossover training um, issues and pain and learning with that dog, Sophie. And so she was kind of a project. And I think she probably would have said that I was a project, too. Um, she had a lot of behavior issues and didn't respond to what I was trying to get her to do. And um, one of my friends who was a dog person had a real heart-to-heart -heart talk with me about 
if I was going to continue to be so frustrated with my dog, maybe I should consider giving her back to the shelter. And Ooh. that was um, such a wake-up call for me because I hadn't been thinking that I needed to do that, but she really made me see how the dog and I were making each other miserable. So she said, you really should try clicker training. And, you know, I know um, it's not what you are used to, but give it a try. And um, so I made myself learn about it and try it, and it was marvelous. It worked so well with this dog. She turned around from a dog that didn't want to have anything to do with training to a dog that just loved training. And I taught her all kinds of tricks, and she was just fantastic. So um, when we started our agility class, um, we still had a lot of issues to work out. She was not reliable off-leash and... um, the early agility class that I took was, um, so there was a big arena, and there were about 20 dogs and handlers in the class, and they would split the class in half, and half of the people would work at one end and half of the people at the other end. So there was a lot of distraction going on. There was mm. a lot of dogs moving, and there wasn't anything uh, separating the two groups of dogs. When we started to go off-leash, it was still the same situation. So you would be going off-leash while another dog was running off-leash, and all these other dogs moving around the arena. And we had a couple incidences of her taking off and um, zooming across the arena and um, going to mix it up with other dogs. And um, I had to really work very hard to learn how to manage her, motivate her, and get her to want to stay with me. So um, it was the type of thing that when you go through a struggle like that with a dog or probably with a person or any other kind of animal, the achieving success on the other end is really sweet and really special. Right, yeah. I, yep, because you both, you both had to work so hard at it. Mm-hmm, you know? yeah. And I think there's something really special about your first agility dog anyways, because right. you and that dog are going through it together for the first time for both of you. Um, so... She was really a very special dog to me. Yeah, well, that's good. I, it's all new to me. I, I, I'd certainly never met Sophie that I remember. Yeah, um, no, yeah, I don't think you did. Did you ever trial with Sophie? Yep, and you... I looked this up because I knew you were going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> so our first agility class was April of 1997. Our first trial was June of 98. We took fourth place in starter standard. Okay. And that was at my home club. So um, there were a lot of training opportunities and show and goes and demos. So our club used to pack up all of our equipment on a weekend day and take it to old home days or a fair or anything just to have an excuse to get out in public, do some training, practice in a different setting, and recruit other members to the club. Okay. We did have a lot of practice like that before we actually started trialing. Um, what club was heart. that? Just curious. What's that? What was the name of your club, or does it still exist? Canine Agility Training Society. Okay. Cats. Oh, cats. cats. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I've been a member of cats for, I think... That's in... One. They used to have trial. Well, they probably may still, but West Swainsey, right? New Hampshire? It, what swings what? Uh, I, cats, I think sometimes in the past had had trials at, uh, animal shelter, I think in, was oh, it yeah. West yep. so Swainsey? Our home base right now is at the Monadnock Humane Society. Right. That's where I'm it's thinking of. For 
probably 10 years at least. Okay. We used to have trials at um, a, a city, a city of Keene Parks and Rec area, a big baseball field called Wheelock Park. And okay. we had trials at a couple of different of other um, parks around the Keene area. Right. Um, okay. But re- recently we've been having them at the Humane Society, just smaller one-ring trials. Yeah. I know you've listened to my podcast, but that actually was... That location at the moon, however you say it. At Monadnock, yep. That was Dino's first trial. I know that. <laughs> Were you there? I, I, I don't know if I really remember that, but yeah. Well, I, re- I remember you because people were talking about you, um, you and Dino, and then you had mentioned it on the podcast and sort of put it all together for me. Right. So that's the guy with the beagle right. Um, but I wanted to tell, let you know that my our second trial um was our first trial away from home, and it was down in Westfield, Mass. And I remember driving to it. It was my first time actually driving away to a dog event somewhere, and I had burned up all of my energy by by the time I got there because I was so nervous. Oh wow! And edge. And I remember arriving and just going. <sighs> now I still have to figure everything else out and run, and um, it was a challenge for me. But we got a ribbon. We um. We took fifth place in starter snooker. It was USDAA trial. And I remember being so excited about getting that fifth place pink ribbon, which was not even a qualifier. And I wait, I had to wait until an hour and a half after the trial ended to actually get my ribbon because they had some sort of a scoring error that they were running through. And I remember <laughs> thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm sitting here waiting so long for a ribbon. But that's our ribbon. We have to get that ribbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Th- those ribbons can have value. That's for oh sure. My God. And when I pull- when I pulled into the site, so that was at the Westfield Fairgrounds. I pulled into the site and I found our arena, and I almost started crying because the arena didn't have any fence other than a single rope that was about waist high. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so I said, Sophie's never going to stay in," and uh, you know, and I I was having almost a meltdown. Um, but she never left me. She never looked out of the arena. She was just really on, and we didn't have any issues like that. So it really helped me have much more faith in my dog and in our training and everything that we had done to prepare, having that experience of driving, you know, all that way, our, you know, together all by ourselves and setting up and running in the arena that was just a rope. So um, that was the start, and that was the um that was the day that the switch flipped in my brain, and I was—I've been addicted to agility ever since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a time I think for every everyone who, and it's like that. I've heard it described as like the hook sets. You know, you're you're hooked. You know, and, and if you get hooked, then you keep doing agility, and if you don't get hooked, obviously you go off and you do something else. Yep. But I think for me, it was hard. It was hard. It was really challenging. We didn't have our first qualifying run until June of 1999, so that was over two years after we started training, and that was a NADAC trial at CATS. Okay. Uh, It was novice regular, and um, we didn't have tons and tons of cues, Sophie and I. um, She didn't ever get her um, NATCH, but she did get all of her elite titles. Oh, wow. Um, And she had a really fantastic year. I think it was the first or second year of... NAE. So that's the dog that 
you know, I started with her. I also had another dog that I started training and running about two years after Sophie. And okay. um, she unfortunately had to retire at an early age due to hip dysplasia. Her name was Molly. All right. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, NAE came along, and I just was so happy to um, have that group having, you know, more trials. And um, just it, it was a great fit for me and my dog especially. She really liked the open flowing courses um, because the only other venue around at that time was USDAA so these were in the days before CPE and AKC had agility Um, USDAA was just not, um, she she didn't like it I don't like it, it was like you would you'd jump and then have to turn immediately after the jump she would just jump and stop you know and I would, my handling was probably really ugly Mm -hmm. but on the NADAC courses we could run together and you know, had, everything had nice flow and made a lot more sense, and um, we, we had a, a good time. And I have to um, give some thanks to my trainer, Lynn Smitley, who explained to me the difference in the course design between NADAC and USDAA, and she convinced me that Sophie would like NADAC better, and she was right. Once I, you know, realized that there was a difference, I could totally feel it, too. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you mentioned some other venues over the years. Have you done the other v- venues? I mean, I know you from NADAC, but you yep. mentioned USDAA. Yep, I've done, um, I, with Sophie and Molly, I did a lot of USDAA, um, mostly because that's what was close by, and my club cats did more USDAA in some years than they did NADAC. So, um, but I never traveled a lot for USDAA trials. Um, and then when CPE came in, I also did do CPE with a couple of my dogs. Um, but I, NADAC's definitely my main venue. Oh, I also do some ASCA um, because now I have uh, my last two agility dogs have been Australian Shepherds. Right. So, um, and ASCA still has a flowing course design similar to, um, to NADAC's. And uh, I enjoy it. I like going and seeing the other Aussies and um, it's fun, fun for me. So, right. Um, definitely, NADAC's my primary venue. I do do some ASCA. I will do some CPE. Like um, the dog I have now, Jack, is ten years old, and um, CP. There's some CPE trials in nice locations nearby, so I'll okay. take him to do that. And um, just you know, we have fun doing whatever. Right. So, but I haven't ever tried AKC or UKI. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and. That's hijack, right? Jack is hijack. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. <laughs> and and you said he's ten now. He's ten. Wow. Yeah. And so, what? I mean, I remember Penny. Yep. What dogs do you? What dogs do you have right now? So Penny passed away last September. That I thought so. Okay. I. Yeah. Yep. She she was twelve and she had Hamangio. Okay. Um, she was my absolute my, my best agility dog that I've ever had. Um, Penny uh, is my first Australian Shepherd, and she came to me, a friend, um, uh, Donna Quinlan, who was a NADAC person who um, moved away to North Carolina or South Carolina a few years ago. She had an Aussie named Greta, and I always admired Greta. And I think Donna and I became friends because I had to apologize to her several times for Sophie running over and chasing and scaring Greta. So that's how we got to know each other and became right. friends. 
And um, I guess Donna heard about an Aussie that the breeder was looking for a home with someone who would do something with her. And Penny was um, a little over two at the time. And Donna, I had just lost Sophie, and Donna emailed me a picture of Penny. And she said, Heidi, I don't know if you would consider an Aussie, but this one is available. And it was a picture of Penny. And, you know, Penny was just beautiful, black tri, Australian shepherd, gorgeous coloring and unique markings. And I looked at her and I said, oh, yeah, I'd consider her. (laughs) (laughs) So I went down and met Penny, and um, her breeder, Fran, still had her. And Fran had taken a couple of agility classes with Elise Pathrath at Breeze Through Agility. And she could see that Penny really loved agility. So that's why she decided to try to find a home with someone who would do something with her. That um, She didn't want to um, just keep her in her kennel. She thought she'd be happier in a home with fewer dogs and having a job. So um, we hit it off immediately. Um, I went to say hello to her, and she rolled over on her back, like, pet my belly, and it was just the sweetest thing. And I watched her working with her breeder, Fran, on the agility course, and she loved it. She was just you know, running and doing the obstacles and looking so happy and confident. Um, and, you know, nicely interacting and bonded with her um, owner. And I just saw all kinds of things that I liked. So um, we brought Molly down the next week and let them meet, and they they seemed fine together. And we took Penny for a trial, my husband and I. And after about a week, I said, so what do you think? And he said, oh, we're keeping her. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that was it. So she became our dog, and um, we still had Molly, who was 11, 11 years old at the time. And Penny and I started learning agility, mostly with, um, we took classes with a few different people. Um, I want to say the first agility class we took was with Rachel Brostrom at the Monadnock Humane Society. And we got some, um, Penny already had some foundation, um, but we got going together. And then Lynn Smitley started doing classes right around the same time. So I went to her, and, you know, of course, with Lynn, um, all the training was really focused on you being able to do distance work. And it suited me very well because I really wanted to do distance work. Penny loved it. She took to the training really well. Um, and we just had a blast. Um, I can't even tell you what a great feeling it is running a dog that has that kind of connection with you at a distance. It's just, it's addictive. It's, I mean, agility is addictive already. It is. But a distance is, I, uh, it's just amazing. So yeah. I um, understand, even though I've yeah. not really ever had that, but I totally get it. It's, you see it in the people who run with, you know, dogs with Yeah, it's, it's a huge ad- adrenaline rush, and it's just a sweet, sweet feeling. Right. So, um, Penny and I, I took advantage of any seminars with NADAC people that I could. I did two Sharon Nelson seminars, um, a couple other NADAC trainers, um, and I took her to championships um, in 2011, even though I had only had her for a year. We didn't qualify, but we ran in some of the games and stuff like that. Um, And then in 2017, I took her and actually ran her in championships. That was really fun. Right. But, um, she got three matches over her career, and I, I can't even tell you how many miles we did. I bought a little camper because I was having such a great time going right. to trials with her, um, and I just, you know, 
wanted to have the full experience of staying on site. So I bought a little scamp camper, and that's how you and I got to know each other because you that's, had your A-frame. That's correct, I yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still remember the time we were up in New Paltz, and uh, you were camped right next to me in, in your little scamp, and uh, it was right before uh, Hurricane Sandy was coming. And I, I, I bugged out a bit early, and... Uh, I was glad I did. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, so I had good adventures with that. I had that camper for, I think, seven years, and um, we sold it right after championships. Right after we got home from championships in 2017, we sold it. Um, and I miss having it now, but um, you know, it was time. Right. It well, didn't have a, even a shower or anything. So. Yeah. Hopefully, I, I'll get another one at some point. Yeah, it's it, it's nice to have a, a a camper when you're when you're you're doing agility. I yeah. think we'll take a quick break and then I'll come back with, with a few more questions for you. So we're going to take a break. All right. This is Ed Peters, your host of Off Course Agility. I hope you're enjoying this podcast, and I would encourage you, if you are, to tell your NADAC friends about us in person, or through social media. You can reach us at offcourse at optimum.net. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and our Anchor Home platform, which you may reach by going to our website, offcourseagility.com. And I'm back with Heidi Canesco, and we're going to keep going here. Um, you had mentioned going to uh, championships. I think you said it was 2011. And um, I know from talking to you before that you really went kind of like as a spectator. You want to talk a little bit about that? Because I don't think too many people do that. Yep. So um, I had only had Penny for about a year and a half at that point. And um, I wanted to go to championships. Uh, Lynn, my instructor and friend, had talked about it all the time as being the highlight of her year, and I wanted to have that experience. Um, but I also know that I'm a nervous person. I'm not a great competitor. I don't have nerves of steel, and I can be very hard on myself. So um, I tried to qualify, but we didn't quite make it. And I thought to myself, well, maybe I should just go anyways and get used to the atmosphere and used to the traveling and see what it's like. And they had some games. Um, there was a team thing that you could do with um, two friends. or uh, There were three people on a team, three dogs on a team, and you actually got to have runs um, that were team games. So I um, did that with Terry Fisher and Claudia McGuire. And um, I also entered Penny in the Extreme Games World Championships or something like that. It was the first year that they had um, Tunnelers Touch and Go and no, 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 um, wait. Hoopers? It was Hoopers and... Um, Gators, was it? I think so. Oh, boy. And Barrelers, I think, were the Extreme Games. Trivia. We're not getting a good score right now. <laughs> I think the Extreme yeah. Games were Hoopers. Gators and t uh, barrelers, I think, but don't There's quote me. Extreme chances, I think. Oh, extreme chances. That sounds right, too. <laughs> so um, Penny and I had um, really enjoyed those, um, those games. And luckily, where I was trialing, 
offered them a lot. So we had enough points to qualify in that, or we had enough titles to qualify in it. And so Penny got to run in that, and we also did some pre-trial runs. And Penny um, was a little bit um, worried about the environment at championships. And when we went in for the Extreme Games finals, they were in the big Coliseum. And this was the Springfield, Illinois Coliseum. So it's big. That's big, right? That's yeah. really big. <laughs> yep. And it was the first time she had run in there because all the other stuff had been in one of those smaller arenas. Okay. So we walk in there, and I could just feel the adrenaline, like, on the floor. Like, and it was making me nervous. Right. And we get up to the start line, and we had a – I thought we had a – really good run. Um, unfortunately, I don't have it on video or anything. Um, it seems like it took forever, um, but we did the whole course, um, probably had some mistakes, and then um, you went in for a second run, and I took Penny's um, flip lead off, and I let out a little bit, and I said, okay, let's go, and she looked at me, and she put her head down and started eating the footing, oh. the dirt which is not like her at all. And I looked at her and I said, oh, she is really stressed out. Um, and I looked at the leash runner and I said, oh, well. And the leash runner was um, really nice. She said, well, sometimes the brain's just not there. And she handed me back my leash and I put it on her and I walked out. So we um, we scratched. Right. <laughs> so, um, or, you know, we excused ourselves. Um, and then... Uh, I, I relaxed and, you know, got to go up and watch the rest of the people running, which was really cool. Um, but, you know, it, it was a good lesson for me in how, you know, the dogs, they, we can only ask so much of them. And if they're not ready to run, there's no point in pushing it. I felt bad that I put her in that position, but at least I was listening to her and um, didn't try to run her. Right. Yeah. you you got to make the best decision for your dog. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so that was it, and um, I did. I got the scamp um, in preparation for that trip, so I had the scamp there, and I loved camping on the site, and you know, waking up and walking down and watching runs, and I wasn't, I didn't have to walk the courses and run, and right. it was really a nice vacation for me, um, and getting the feel of champs, but not having to be part of the competition. Um, so, I mean, most people wouldn't want to go and not run, but for me, it was a, kind of a good way to be there. I'm actually sort of thinking about doing that again, um, maybe next year, depending on how things go. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I know that you went in 2017, which I think you had mentioned earlier when we were right. talking yeah, too, we're because we mile. we ended up camping in the same uh, horse stall lane uh, because your scamp was down down a little further, and then I had my A liner with Leanne and Bell and. <laughs> Yep. In in Sunbury, and I must admit the camping there. Uh, you talked about having an, enjoying the camping out in Springfield, so I assume it was better. The, the camping there in Sunbury was not uh, spectacular. No, now we were parked right under the roof line too, so everything got drenched. Yeah, it was that was an interesting <laughs> an interesting area to be camping in. But yeah, in some ways, we were off from all the other people that were. Yeah. You know it. That whole that that location wasn't really set up that well for camping, no, and, nope. and was, there were some. It wasn't, wasn't anywhere near as good as it was in Springfield, Illinois. Right, and you, you so and you, you didn't go in uh, 2019, right? You didn't go to Champ. I didn't. And yeah. But I think it's going to be 
be there again. Right. That's my understanding. I'm not 100% on it, that it will be back in Springfield, uh, Ohio. And that location was definitely nicer. Um, The camping still was a bit... um, that probably wasn't perfect because it, it was like there was only water spigots in certain areas and things. So for, but for my sister and I, uh, we don't have a, a bathroom in our little A-frame pop-up. So yep. we weren't too far from the front of the facility where there were decent showers and flush toilets, which you didn't have in Sunbury. So uh, from my sister's point of view and mine too, it was much nicer. Uh, Yeah, much nicer in Springfield, Ohio. (laughs) So if you do go in in next year and it is in Springfield, just so you have some idea, (laughs) you may not have a camper, but if you do camp, it's it's definitely nicer. And it's... Looking for another camper if I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, my sister with the, with the world we're in with the COVID nineteen, we both are like it. It would be nice to have a bathroom in the camper. So I, I we actually occasionally like we're not looking physically, but occasionally we look at something online. So uh, still thinking of something on the smaller side, but maybe with a bathroom in it. Yep. <laughs> and a shower. Yeah, would be a good one also. Yeah. That, but, yeah, no. well, you had a bathroom in the scamp, right? You had a little uh, yep. toilet, right? Yep. Yeah. did. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so that I was... I a shower. So remember I had the pop-up shower in uh, Sunbury? Do you remember that? Yeah. I had a pop-up tent and then a solar shower kind of thing. Right, I do remember that because we also kind of did that too. We kind of had a little shower uh, tent outside too uh, which which my sister had thought about it and she because we did have access to water there so we we were able to get hot water from our hot water heater on the camper and we do have an outside shower hose so what we would do, my sister found this thing that you put in a five well it was a little shower pumpy thing so we had a five gallon like Lowe's bucket I would go out, fill it with, uh, you know, a nice temperature water. We would take it in this little shower tent, and then you use this portable thing that pumped the water into a shower spout, and you took a shower. And it it worked because there was nothing else for us to do there. <laughs> we had something similar, but we didn't have the hot water heated, so we had a solar bag to right. put on, you know, hang it and try to heat up the water, which didn't really work. Yeah. We survived. We all survived. <laughs> right. Yeah. Running, running um, in 2017, running both of my dogs. Penny was a 10-year-old double-digit vet, and Jack was seven, I think, and running in pre-elite. Okay. Um, I had, uh, it was a wonderful experience, and um, you know, I'm really glad that I did that. Uh, my husband came with me. Bless his heart. He drove, um, drove us there and back. And, uh, wow! Yeah, that's really, really was great. Um, I'm glad I did it. It was a lot of, um, a lot of uh, stress on me because again, I'm not really a good competitor, and I tend to be too hard on myself. But um, I think overall, I I really am glad that I did it. Um, Penny and I had some fantastic parts of runs, 
and I'm glad I have the videos from that. I really, I really treasure that. Right. Yeah. No. No. You. I'm sure. I. You know. And, and my sister. You know. That was her first time, and she she was running pre elite, and she also ran pre elite in uh, Springfield in uh, twenty twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um, but she was so nervous that first time in 2017. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, it, you know, it, like you're saying, it can it can affect you because it's you know it's totally different than being at like any normal trial type thing. Yeah. Where, you know, you got people in the bleachers watching you cheering, and you got an announcer. It's just a totally different experience. And I really feel like I can feel the adrenaline. From all the other people, when I get when I get down on the floor, when I get out on the course, right? Yeah, the environment. A real like different feel to it. It's not laid back and mellow like our local trials are. Right. No. So so I'll ask this, knowing you are uh, an agility person, um, are you perhaps looking for your next agility dog? We are, and um, I think we may have met our next dog already but i don't want to say anything and jinx it um, yeah okay yeah we're hoping to, we're hoping to add um another dog this year is um, it an australian shepherd or going to a different breed he is an australian shepherd yeah yep. okay yeah yep. yeah so, that's become your breed i guess yeah i mean somebody said you know stick with your breed you know you kind of know them now and i i like them i kind of know them um, I'm not really uh, looking for the highest drive dog in the world. Um, I want a dog that can also be happy with a life if, you know, we don't end up doing a lot. Um, I've had some health problems in the last couple of years, so um, it make, just makes me um, think a little bit more carefully about the future. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, I understand, and... Uh... Uh, you know, I've always, <laughs> I, I'm a, you know, you know, I like agility, but my dogs really are my uh, companion. Uh, you know, Dino was my companion. He was my buddy. And now I got it. Trace is my new buddy. So, uh, uh, but do love running the agility, even though there's not much of that for me this year. Are you keeping busy in any way with classes or training or anything? Well, I'm, I am... Um working from home full-time and um, everything is just a little slower because of internet connection and just, I don't know, working remotely is just have to organize yourself a little differently. So my work days are pretty long, mm -hmm. even though I'm not commuting. I'm still here for very long days. I, I know the feeling. <laughs> Jack is um, he's really happy that, um, that I'm home all the time. Um, I do do a little bit of training in the backyard with him, but I'm not that motivated to train. I just haven't really felt like doing a whole lot. So right. um, we walk, um, try to exercise as much as possible. Um, he's 10, so I'm trying to keep him healthy and strong. Right. Um, that but, makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, Ed, I, I, I feel, and I mean, I'm, I'm sure many would argue with me, but I sure dog gets older and has, has been to a different trials it's not like you need to go to class every week to keep it fresh you need to occasionally do you know some things here and there but they don't really totally forget it they understand oh, it yeah, right 
I totally agree. Yeah, it's more keeping them fit and agile. Exactly. And coordinated, yeah. and it's the same for us. I mean, that's the same for me. If I don't, if I'm not um, exercising myself and moving in a, uh, you know, doing a little bit of running and keeping my own body up to shape, uh, that's going to be what kills us the most, I think. So we're trying to keep that all together. Um, oh, I wanted to say, um, there's one other thing I wanted to say. Um, my Agility Club Cats is just opening up the agility arena this weekend. So my husband and I went down and set up all the contacts last night, and I'm pretty sure the rest of the club got all the equipment out today. So um, I'm hoping that we can set up for some VT runs that NADAC is doing. Yeah, so that okay. Can, that would be good you know, for you. <laughs> them and send them in. Because Jack only really needs, I think it's seven elite chances cues for his natch. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was thinking that he was an elite chances type dog because distance hasn't really come that naturally to him and I. Right. Um, so we worked on a lot of other things. And he got his gold cup last year, which I was really proud of. And for the gold cup, you do open chances, not elite. Right. Um, but I'm kind of feeling like, well, maybe we should work towards that those elite chances cues and see if we can do it. Mm-hmm. So that would and give me um, something to work towards. Um, you know, it's really the relationship and the training that I enjoy, but having a title or a goal to work towards kind of gets me out there and working. Right. So. And from a club point of view, setting a chances course isn't a bad choice because generally – it's the same course for all the different levels. It's just a matter of putting the line down differently. Exactly. Yeah. Anybody can go. So everybody can run that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just so spread out the time so everybody has, is, you know, social distancing properly and right. and you can do it. Yeah. 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 Whereas like doing, you know, regulars, not so, so bad, but, you know, a lot of the other, like jumpers, like jumpers from novice to open to elite, you, you're set in three different courses, and it's only going to apply to certain people. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Right. And who's going to want to move the um, course around that much? That's right. And then who's, yeah, exactly, who's going who's gonna to move all that equipment every time? So, yeah, yeah. chances yeah. is a good one to do, I think, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that that's that's good. I'm I'm glad to hear it. I I wish I had a club or a spot that I could do. That. Yeah. <laughs> but uh it's you know, you take what you got. So uh, we'll see. Uh, my my situation I think uh I'm going to be starting to go for privates at uh my sister and I are going to go for private lessons at uh, our agility school and that's kind of the way they're doing it is they they're they're taking people privately uh into the facility so that you know you can maintain the proper uh distance yeah the proper safeguards in, in the world we're in at the moment Yep. I'm just hoping all the talk of vaccines and stuff that, you know, something comes of that. And maybe next year we can all have trials like normal again. That's what I'm hoping for, too. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of research going on with treatments as well. And there's vaccines being developed, I think, or uh, tested. Yes. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed that they come up with good treatments and vaccines for us. Right. So, so am I. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, I think we've we've covered most of it. We've talked about your dogs, and we've talked about you going to Champs. Was there anything else you wanted me to ask you about that I haven't? Or Yeah, I wanted to say thank you for doing this, because in this year where we can't actually get together and trial and see each other, your podcast is a way for us Northeast Agility folks to kind of keep in touch and in some cases, learn a little bit more about each other. Um, I've enjoyed listening to your interviews with some of the other people. And um, Yeah, thank you for doing this. You're really providing a good service for us, Ed. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that compliment. And I, uh, as I told on my last podcast, I, I talked to uh, Linda Lavalette, and she, you know, she had discovered me just through, I believe, on Apple Podcasts, um, Similarly, I, she said a few you know nice things about it. And I, 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 at the beginning of the year, end of last year, I I enjoy listening to podcasts, and I I didn't I couldn't find any agility podcasts, and certainly none that really talked about NADAC at all. So uh-huh. yeah. I I didn't know that this year was going to go like this when I started it, obviously, but I. I'm glad I did now because it's getting me a chance to to talk to people I know like you uh, who I haven't seen and I don't know if I'll even see this year. And like, you know, I had Maureen and uh, I had Nancy Hoffman. So it's it has it's it's filling uh, part of that agility need in in me. And and I'm glad I'm I'm glad people like you are enjoying it also. When I'm at a trial, I'm not really, that's not my best time to sit and talk with people because I'm, I'm just kind of introverted anyways. And then when I'm trialing, I'm, I've got this big to-do list in my head. i got to do this, i got to do that. i got to make sure the dog's like this and like that and walk the course and think of this. Um, and it's, I, I'm just so, talking and socializing. Um, I just don't do it very well when I'm in that mode of trialing. So um, this is a, a nice way to, I guess, find out more about the people that we're with. Right. That. I, so. I, yeah, I agree with you. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thank you for being my guest. And uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. And, thank you uh, for having me. Okay. So I think we're going to call that a day. And I'll okay. just say... Thanks again. Thank you very much, Ed. And you take care. You too. Bye. I'm back with a final comment. This episode will be the last episode of June, which means we're halfway through the year. When I started the podcast, I said I would do it for a year. I still intend to, but we're halfway through. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast, and if you have any comments or ideas for me, you can send them to offcourse at optimum.net. Until next time, I wish you happy trialing.